0: If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Before we read it, I want to just begin by reminding you of an old Christmas story that begins like this. I wonder if you know this. All the Who's down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. And so begins the classic tale written by Dr. Seuss about this little town, this village, where people joyfully celebrate Christmas. And just north, there lives a creature high above the town, and he cannot understand what all this noise and all this singing is all about. Feasting giving of presents. And even after he sneaks into Whoville dressed as Saint Nick and steals away all the presents from the Who's, he is dumbfounded at the end to find that they are all still singing. And in the story, you may recall if you've seen it, that uh, the Grinch experiences some sort of conversion Dr. Seuss actually leaves uh, the question largely unanswered, why is everybody so happy at Christmas? And Dr. Seuss leaves it unanswered because, of course, he leaves out the main part, that Jesus is the reason for the season. He left Christ out of Christmas. But the story is very compelling The story is compelling. It's shown on television every year because this thought crosses people's mind. Maybe it's crossed your mind. Have you ever found yourself surrounded by people and everybody's smiling and happy and celebrating and singing and you don't feel happy at all? It's actually stressful. It's a stressful time for you. Everybody else is smiling and laughing and you feel like weeping. They, they are carefree. They don't seem to have a worry in the world. And you have stress and pain. And maybe you're on the Grinch's side in all of this and you wonder, why is everybody so happy? I've been there. And when I am like the Grinch, I like to remember a story about a young girl from 2,000 years ago who had every reason to be like the Grinch at Christmas. This woman was a member of the poorest class. She had no rights and privileges. She was a young girl. Often women were considered in that culture as little more than property. She is pregnant without a husband, and her fiancé is thinking of ending the engagement, consigning her to a life of poverty and loneliness. And Christmas is coming. She didn't call it that, but the very first Christmas is coming, and she is confused And in spite of all that she can be sad and worried about, the Bible tells us in Luke 1, verses 46 through 55, she is so happy that she's singing a song. Who is this girl? And why is she singing? And where did she get these words to sing from? Well, Mary understands something that we have learned this fall. And if you're our guest today then this won't mean as much to you as it does to the rest of us, but, but it turns out that Mary gets all of her words from the Psalms. And As a church family, for the past four months, we've been studying the Psalms together, and we have learned that the Psalms are Holy Spirit-inspired reflections. It's a, a sight into the human heart where we use the Psalms in order to praise God, in order to share our worries and frustrations and fears honestly with God, to even bring our doubts to God, to see the triumph of His grace and His goodness, and and it's all packed into the Psalms. And what do you know when Mary needs to sing at a time when everything seems very difficult for her? She draws from the Psalms just as you and I are learning to do. I think that's fantastic. You sing the Psalms. Tremper Longman, in his great book on the Psalms, he says, you Christians, New Covenant Christians, sing the Psalms for two reasons. Because the Psalms are sung to God, and Jesus Christ is God the Son. And the second reason that you sing these Psalms is because they are sung to the King and King David was the author of many of the psalms, and even a subject of the psalms. And the Israelite king, at his best, in his finest moment, is a reflection of the kingship of God over his people. And so as there was praise given to the king, so it was promised to David in Second Samuel 7, if you know your Old Testament, that his son would sit forever on the throne, forever and ever, Forever and ever, as our chorus just sang, Hallelujah, hallelujah, He will be King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's why we go to the Psalms to sing. Well, listen to what Mary sang, and if you have your sermon outline, you'll find on the back of the sheet the text of what Mary sang, and then some of the Psalms, just some of the Psalms that these come from. And we read this, And Mary said, to our fathers just a few verses earlier the angel made an announcement to Mary explaining that she was going to bear the Christ into the world and he says in Luke 1 uh, verse 31 you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel himself is quoting from Psalm 89, verse 3, where God swears to his servant, David, your son will sit on your throne. And so... Mary's song is before us. And I just want to reflect briefly with you on four reasons why Mary sings and why you sing. Because Mary is a picture, a type of the church of Jesus Christ in this hour, in her hour. And we learn so much. Why are you singing? Well, think about it. Let's learn from Mary. Because in verses 41 through 47... 46 through 47, she sings because God makes her joyful. Think about it. What makes you happy? What makes you actually sing for joy? Some people would say, well, money, obviously. Money makes me happy, makes me sing for joy. Maybe someone is single and would say, marriage makes me happy. If I had that husband, if I had that wife, that would make me happy. Maybe a married person says, a divorce, that would make me happy. Somebody else says, "A, a car, a new boat, a new house, that would make me sing for joy. In Mary's song, it's clear why she's singing. My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. Just a couple of things you notice about this, the opening of this hymn of happiness, this hymn of joyfulness. First of all, you just notice that Mary knows God personally. And I love this. She says, God is my Savior. Did you catch that? And it's an echo for us. If you were here last week and we studied the 23rd Psalm, what did we say? The 23rd Psalm begins, the Lord is my shepherd, right? doesn't say the Lord is His shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is her shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. What does it say? It says our Lord is personal. It's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. And if you're a Christian, may I tell you this is your high privilege. It's personal with God. And He wants it to be personal with you, with Him. For Mary... This is beautiful. This is very profound. God, my Savior. And secondly, she calls him my Savior. And we notice that Mary does not claim to be sinless or to be able to take care of herself. She is a sinner like you and like me who needs God to save her. And that's why she acknowledges that she needs him. She's just like anybody else. Oh, she's a very special young lady but she is like us fallen in Adam just as you and I are and then notice how she feels about this relationship with God joyful joyful and the word rejoice my spirit rejoices is the kind of word to describe a child on Christmas morning when they get the present that was on their list and have you ever seen a child they're so happy they're jumping up and down have you ever seen that that's what children do They jump up and down with joy. That's the word that Mary is using to describe my soul rejoices in God my Savior. Isn't that beautiful? I, I have to ask you, what could make you that happy? Millions of people would say, I watch Wheel of Fortune. I know what would make me happy. It would be the new car. It would be the all-expense-paid trip to Aruba. What would make you that happy? Mary's song comes out of a joy much deeper than this. It's easy to be happy when things go good. Mary's song comes even when she is numbered among the losers in life. She still, though maybe with a tear in her eye, she has joy in her heart. And it comes from knowing God, her Savior. You might be sitting here today with stress and sadness in your life. I don't doubt that. But if you are like Mary, if you know the Lord then your spirit can rejoice today in God your Savior. Jesus said in John 15, 11, to his disciples, he said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And I read an article this week, a guy named Michael Cruz, he puts it like this. He says, happiness of heart is can no more be attained without God than light and sunshine can be had without the sun. Every side, all over the world, people are trying to find happiness, and they cannot find it because they do not look for it in God. So friends, Mary's song calls you to find your joy in knowing God. Now, the second thing that just jumps off the page is that Mary has this sense that she has a special part to play in God's plans for the world. And this is beautiful. You see this in verses 48 through 50. Because she she's now has this sense that God is, is doing something big in the world and she has a part to play in it. And that's really wonderful for her. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had the same sort of sense of destiny? That God's going to use you in this world? Here's what she says. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She's talking about herself. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She has this sense that God's going to use her. For the mighty one has done great things for me. She's quoting right out of Psalm 71, 19. The Lord has done great things for his people. So this blessing that Mary has is not just for Mary singularly. People have been singing Psalm 71 for hundreds of years. And now for thousands of years. Saying the Lord has done great things for me. And is that true for you? (laughs) If you're a believer in Jesus Christ then you know That while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. That though you were guilty of speaking words that were nasty, doing things that were wrong, of of, uh, having in your heart attitudes towards others that were dreadful, Jesus Christ came to forgive you of those sins. To say, not guilty, not guilty, Because I have paid the price for you. The Lord has done great things for me. And his mercy extends to those who fear him. If anybody in the Bible has a sense of destiny, then it is Mary. But it's true for all of us. God's going to use me. Can you say that? Not just pastors. Not just elders. Not just Sunday school teachers. If you belong to Jesus Christ, it says he has made you to be a king and a priest to serve God. He lifts you up. He gives you a new, holy, magnificent status. He's born in you and he moves. He comes to bless you and then he blesses others through you. Here's what she boasts in look at this. She, she talks about God's power, God's mercy, and God's holiness. So, it's, what she has a sense of is that her destiny is in some way to proclaim God's power, to show forth God's mercy, to demonstrate God's holiness. And that's what, that's what your destiny is to do as well, as a Christian man, as a Christian woman. Hmm. I wonder if you have this sense... Of destiny in your life. God's going to use you. In that same article I read earlier, he, this author writes about a man who put a three by five card on his mirror in his bathroom. He says, When I get up in the morning and I'm groggy and I'm rubbing the sand out of my eyes and I look in the mirror, I have this note right in front of me. And the note says, God, what are you doing today? I want to be a part of it. And I love that. He says, says, that's the best way for me to start my day. Not, God, here are all my plans and I hope you'll bless them. God, you are about recapturing this renegade planet. And you, you have blessed me in order to be a part of that. Okay, what are you up to today, God? I want to be a part of that. And God, if you want me to succeed today, then I'll be a success for you. And God, if you want me to stumble somewhere along my path today, I'll be a failure for you. I, God, I just want to know what you have. You want me to get an A on that test? God, I'll get an A on that test for you. You want me to be humbled, get a D- minus on that test today? God, I'll, I'll do that for you. Destiny, your sense is that God has His hand on you. That's what Mary is singing about. The Psalms have been teaching this to us. And she gladly plays her part in God's plan. Now, the third reason that she sings, and the third reason that you sing, is because she has this sense that in what God is doing, He's turning the world upside down. And I think a lot of people who who watch The Grinch That Stole Christmas see the Who's down in Whoville and they think oh yes Christmas must mean this that Christmas is about God making us into nicer people that Christmas is about niceness at least the last two weeks of December what Mary says is that whatever is happening whatever earthquake is coming with the birth of this baby boy Whatever fulfillment of the Psalms there is, that God is turning the world upside down as His kingdom breaks into the world. And the world will never be the same. And so, she says, "...He has performed mighty deeds with His arm." That's right out of Psalm 98. "...He has scattered the proud in their inmost thoughts." That's right out of Psalm 138. "...He brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things." The image here is of people who sit high and pompous on their throne and God brings them down. You know, I don't know if this is a good illustration or not, but it is, it is marvelous and amazing to see emperors like Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi, men who have billions of dollars at their immediate disposal. Saddam Hussein saw himself as the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, the ancient king of Babylon. So powerful. A sense of personal omnipotence. Gaddafi the same, ruling with an iron fist. Unstoppable. And God brings the mighty down. And I cannot give theological explanation to world affairs. I don't pretend to be able to do that. But God brings the high and the mighty low. And I remember, I remember as a teenager, as the, well I guess I was in college. I was a little older than a teenager. But do you remember when the Cold War ended? And the mighty Soviet Empire broke over Poland and Czechoslovakia. And this humble dock worker, a day laborer from the docks named Lech Walesa, is lifted up and becomes president of Poland, a simple Christian man. Do you remember Václav Havel? A poet. A poet becomes president of the Czech Republic. Simple, humble men lifted up and and the, the I don't know I can't give theological explanation of it, but in the blessings that came, bringing freedom into the world. And we think we think rightly about such Christian leaders as Billy Graham, humble men, humble women, Elizabeth Elliot, whose voices have touched and changed the world. And God blesses the humble. And the proud, the high and the mighty are brought low. This is too great for me to explain. But all of this is because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the greatest example of this is, of course, the one that Mary is bearing into the world, Jesus himself, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Philippians 2, you know that passage? But made himself nothing, taking up the form of a servant, our Jesus. This King of kings and Lord of lords is actually the humble king. Therefore, God has exalted him and placed him at the highest place, before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you are hungry for the bread of life, He fills the hungry with good things. If you are thirsty for the water of life, Jesus Christ says, He who believes in Me, from Him shall flow rivers of living water that will slake your most violent thirst. And Mary sings... Because God is turning the world upside down. And you who are not high and mighty and great and glorious, you have been made to be kings and priests by God. Finally, Mary sings because she has this sense that God always keeps his promises. Now, children understand this, the importance of this, right? Moms and dads, you tell your kids you're going to do something, and then, you know what, something comes. You say, on Saturday, we're going to the ice skating rink together. And then something comes up, and you know, sorry, we can't get to that today. And what does the child say? But you promised. And there is a sense of violation, isn't there? We take it to our workplace. And your boss has been hinting all year about the year-end bonus. And then he calls a company meeting. And he says, no bonuses this year. And inside you say, but you promised. You led me to believe. (laughs) I read about a little boy who got a radio flyer. Anybody remember the red radio flyer wagons? And he was at the church, and it took the baby Jesus out of the nativity scene. And he's got the baby Jesus in the, in, the, in the radio flyer, and he's taking him around the block. And the pastor notices this, and the pastor looks at him, and he says, What are you doing? Where did you get that? He says, Oh, I got that from the crash at the church. And the pastor says, Well, why are you doing that? And the boy said, Because I prayed for a radio flyer, and I told the baby Jesus if he got me a radio flyer, I would take him for a ride in it. Now, I don't ever suggest anybody pray to a little plastic baby Jesus. But what this child understood was that he should keep his promises. A promise. What is a promise? A promise is when you look forward into the uncertainty of the future and you say to someone else, I will be there at that time and place. A promise is when you look forward to the future with someone else and you say, no matter what the circumstances are, even if it's hard for me, I give you my word, I will be there. promise is an island in the middle of a sea of uncertainty. And it says, you can count on me. The problem is people break their promises, don't they? And so Mary, on this day, sings out. And she says... He has helped His servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And she quotes from Psalm 98, he has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And he has remembered the promise he made, yes, to Abraham, and Abraham's descendant, the great descendant, King David, and David's descendants of your descendants, I will place on your throne and their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. And Paul the Apostle, Romans 1 verse 3, tells us of Jesus Christ. He was born in the flesh, a son of David. And the book of Revelation, as we sang in the Hallelujah Chorus, says, And He shall reign forever and ever. So it has come to pass. Mary believes in the God who keeps His promises. What about you? She says, God remembers, and he keeps his promise, and somehow she connects it through this son she is about to bear. And the Apostle Paul, do you know this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20? For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Mary, somehow her intuit, she knew her intuition was, this is going to be the fulfillment of all the faithful promises of God in Jesus Christ. And the church says, "Amen, Amen. God, you are faithful, and I trust your promises. I know today, you have, you've got troubles. You've got troubles the rest of us can't see. Stress. Anxiety. Heartache. And it would be so easy for you and for me to climb to the top of Mount Crumpet and sit down next to the Grinch and say, I'm with you today. Grinch. Grinch. And I pray that Mary's song comes and softens your heart changes your song and instead of with the Grinch you remember Jesus is the reason for the season and you join all those who's down in Whoville and no matter what your circumstances might be you say I will join the song will you do that praise him today praise him even with your dying breath will you do that for as long as He gives you life, as long as He gives you breath, join the song. Let's pray. Our Father, I am the first in line to confess that I have tried to find happiness in many, many places. I am not the best example for this congregation. But I so thank you for this woman, Mary. Mary who found her joy in you, who found her joy in Jesus. And I pray that you will touch every one of our hearts where there is trouble and uncertainty in our life. Can we sing because you make us joyful? And can we sing because we have a special part, (laughs) a, a destiny to play in your plan in this world, somebody that we're going to touch or encourage or help or bless, even this week. And Lord, can we watch and see how You oppose the proud, but You give grace to the humble, and You are turning this world upside down, a world of hate, into a world of love. And that we can say, You are the faithful God. Your promises are yes, they are amen, in Jesus Christ. Help us now to worship You with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.